This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome to it. John Scholes here. So good to have you along for the party. Well, we're going to call it a party today anyway. Uh, you can call in and make it a better one. Just uh, make it more than two guys, myself and Lior Sanfiru, employment lawyer, uh, right here, courtesy Sanfiru to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. How do you join in on the conversation and learn a little today? It's easy, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. No question is too small. No question is too silly. When it comes to employment law and your employment rights, you should know as much as you can. Be a sponge when it comes to this topic. Absolutely. You spend on average eight hours a day, five days a week. That's a whole lot of your life working for the man. So you got to know the rules and you got to know what's available to you. And uh, it is, it's a very wide breadbasket of rights that you have that are on your side. But if you don't know about it, you're going to remain ignorant. That's the purpose of this show and has been for almost 10 years. So yeah, again, give us a call toll free now over the next hour, 1-877-399-9898. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. We will endeavor to get a few of those on today and answer some of those questions. And uh, going along with that, answering some recent questions Lior gets or has gotten from his clients about termination and severance. Huge topic when it comes to uh, one of the many facets of employment law. We'll cover that on the show today in just a bit. But I know he's got a couple things to talk about. Uh, Lior, what do you got cooking today, pal? Hey, John. Great to be here. Great to talk about employment law, of course, as usual. Lots of people that listened to the show last week called me during the week in the office. They wanted to follow up. They uh, they wanted to understand better what the law does for them, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. I, I encourage you to do that. You know, you hear me on the radio here once a week, but the rest of the time I'm in the office. Take advantage of the fact that we can have that private discussion or an email exchange. If you have a workplace issue, what a great opportunity that is to get that issue resolved. But of course, right now you have an even better option. You can call us right now live on the show. We want to talk to you. We want to answer your employment law questions. We want to make you feel better about your workplace situation as you're getting ready to go back to work tomorrow, perhaps. Whatever you're facing, I promise you it's something that I've seen, it's something that I've dealt with, and it's something that I know uh, what to tell you to do. So take advantage. Let's chat. Let's make sure we solve those workplace issues. But of course, to get us started, let me tell you about a couple of situations that came across my desk over the past week. I spoke with a, a lady who uh, worked in a uh, in a retail environment, and she worked her regular shifts, no problem. Except this employer had a, a common habit that uh, this employer liked to call department meetings or, or, or staff meetings, I should say. And so regularly, there were these staff meetings, which is fine, except the employer never paid for that. So you expected people to show up on the scheduled time to have a staff meeting, never paid for that. And at one point, this lady said, listen, I, I, I can't do that. You know, it's a, it's a long commute for me to get to work. Uh, I also have child care obligations, so I'm not going to come in. Her employer then fired her for insubordination, <laughs> okay? Insubordination for not showing up for this unpaid meeting. So, of course, upset and, and quite mad, actually, she called me. And she wanted to understand what her rights were. So let's break this down. Of -hmm. course, the fact that she wasn't paid, that's illegal. If your employer is requiring you to show up for work, whether it's for a meeting or for a shift, you have to get paid for that time. There's no such thing as telling you to do something or be somewhere, but it's unpaid. It's free. doesn't work that way. So right off the bat, this employer was doing something that's completely illegal, breach of employment standards. 
and then to punish her and, and fire her, well, number one, it's not cause because she did nothing wrong. In fact, everything she did was perfectly legal. And it's potentially also a reprisal. She's trying to stand up for her rights and she gets fired for it. So this employer really, really messed up things and really got it wrong. So there's going to be damages that's going to be owed in addition to severance. But I, I brought this up today, of course, as a reminder. If your employer is telling you to go somewhere, to be somewhere, to do something, it's not free. There's no such thing as free time. You have to get paid for it. And of course, if you refuse to work for free or to do something for free, you can't be punished for that. That's not legal. So uh, hopefully there's a lesson there for, for people. I, I really think this employer should have known better. It's not even a small retailer, but uh, there you go. And I'll make sure I, I help her to get what she's owed. You know, it's interesting because I wanted to bring this up and it's something you and I chatted about uh, earlier on today. And that was, you know, I have a, a friend who started uh, working a short time ago at the gym and he was working there for a while. And last week he was uh, in the car with his, his cousin. He had his head turned and, and they were going pretty fast. He hit some ice, boom, they got in an accident. The airbag, passenger airbag deployed. Luckily, he wasn't, it wasn't stiff because he didn't see it coming. But it went right in his face, and airbags are pretty tough. And he got you know, black eyes, everything. He looked like he just went 12 rounds of Tyson. But And he couldn't go to work that night. And he called, and he says, guys, I know I'm, I'm the overnight guy, and I'm, there's only one guy there overnight, but I can't do it. I was just in a car accident. I'm black and blue. I'm a mess. And they said, well, there's no one else to cover. He says, well, I can't come in. Well, you got to come in. There's no one else to cover. He goes, well, you know what? Then forget it. I quit. He told me that, and I thought, oh, man, not the way to do it, right? No, not the way to do it. And you and I discussed this earlier. So, so first of all, his employer, of course, had to allow him to take that time off. It doesn't matter if there's no one else. When that's the employer's issue, you know, when you're an employer, you have to deal with these situations. And if for, for medical health reasons, he can't come in, it is what it is. There's no, there's no saying no here. There's no option here. But from your, your friend's perspective, here's the thing. He should not have quit. He should have said, mm -hmm. well, too bad I'm not going to be there. I can get your doctor's note later if you want it, but I'm not coming. Unfortunately, because your friend resigned, well, now it's a resignation, and, and he's really not going to be owed anything. Uh, if he was let go, he would have been owed severance, potentially human rights damages as well. So it's always an important reminder that you don't quit in these situations. The only time you quit or you resign is if you've decided you want to move on, you don't want to work there anymore. You don't resign because you feel you don't have a choice, because you always have a choice, and the choice here is, no, I'm not coming in, and I'll see you when I'm better. It's as simple as that. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. That's a good story to bring in because there's definitely important lessons there, especially as, as having to do with quitting. And a reminder, guys, phone lines are open here to call the station toll-free. Of course, 1-877-399-9898. Bring your calls on. We'd love to talk to you today on the show. Lior, unless you got another Matty you want to uh, get into, we can go right into the topic for the day. What do you say, pal? Well, you know what? I, I just wanted to bring one last thing. And, Excellent. you know, we've heard a lot of stories in the news about large uh, companies, large employers, especially in the tech industry, kind of doing these mass layoffs, uh, you know, mass uh, cuts. And it's these are big companies. You know, the companies, you've seen them in the news. These are huge mm -hmm. companies with, you know, legal uh, teams and HR teams. So it's easy to believe that, well, they must know what they're doing. And I'm sure if they deal with their employees and they pay severance, they're doing it the right way. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, no, no. Over the past few weeks, I've gotten dozens of calls from these individuals and the big tech companies that have been let go. And almost always the severance is lacking. And I'm, and I'm saying lacking significantly. I'm yeah. not talking, well, they're owed six months and they were offered five. I'm talking about they're owed six months, they were offered two. So 
the reason I'm mentioning this here is never assume that just because you work for a big company, a large company, a sophisticated company, that they're treating you properly. The, the percentages still apply 90% of the time. The people, the companies that you work for are not going to offer you proper severance. So it's up to you, the employee, to make sure you get that advice. Don't rely on the company. And I think it's interesting, too, what throws another wrench into the works. And, you know, our, our listeners obviously are intelligent. They read the news. I think with the exception of maybe Shopify, most of these big tech companies are American-based. So they might be going by the American rules and which Canadian workers over here might not know any difference. They say, okay, well, let's, you know, I'm working for Best Buy or Twitter. I guess they're correct, right? Yeah, it's a great point. So it's easy to think, well, if I work for a company that's based out of the U.S., then maybe it's U.S. laws that apply. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Loving it. We are back indeed. John Scholes here and, of course, Lior Sanfiru, employment lawyer from ST Law, Sanfiru to Market LLP, the most positively reviewed Law firm in the country, simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, the website to learn more, help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email anytime and always available uh, for a phone call, Lior and his team. It's good stuff. 1-855-821-5900. But here and now, as I mentioned, you got uh, almost an hour to call in toll free, join the conversation, be that third voice and uh, let us know what you got to say. 1-877-399-9898. In that regard, going to get to uh, call number one for the day. Rick, thank you for standing by. Rick, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Basically, I've been in a position uh, in a management capacity uh, with this company for about five years. And I had taken some time off as a, as a leave. And I had come back from the leave back to the same position uh, working for the last uh year or so and what i've noticed is in the last month my employer has put up a private and confidential ad on one of the hiring websites uh basically hiring for my position uh in my location and it's all going on without my knowledge and they don't know that i know this right now um so i was wondering what kind of steps could i take here what is my position uh and uh, yeah i'm just a little confused right now on what to do yeah, obviously, that's not a, a nice thing to do. You know, the far better approach is to be open and honest and to try to work together. But from a legal standpoint, remember, they're allowed to let you go for good reason, bad reason or no reason, as long as they pay you severance. So ultimately, if they're looking to hire someone and then let you go and replace you, there's nothing that you can do to preempt that or there's nothing that you need to do to deal with that. What we need to do is if and when that happens, we need to make sure you get the severance that you're owed. And, you know, you're in a senior position five years, you're probably looking eight, nine months of severance. So that's what it would look like for you. But there's nothing that you can do to stop that from happening. And I mean, you can certainly confront them about that. And if you want, that's fine. But from a legal standpoint, there's really nothing that you need to be doing other than continue doing your job. Don't give them the ability to say that you didn't do a good job. And if they yeah. do pull the trigger, you call me and we'll make sure you get what you wrote. That sounds good. Thank you very much for uh, clearing that up. Thanks, Thank Rick. You. Appreciate your time on the on the phone today. And yeah, keep us updated on what uh, what transpires for sure. Again, to reach out to Lior uh, if you need him again or a further conversation, one 821 5900 Here and now, toll free, one 877 We'll get to Liz. Liz, thank you so much for taking the time today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. Uh, my, What's on my your mind? Question, 
My question is, my grandson in Kamloops uh, was fired without cause, and he's been there seven years, and they gave him seven-week severance. Is that proper? Oh, that's not even close, uh, Liz. He'd probably be owed anywhere from six to ten months, depending on his job specifically and his age. Uh, Please tell me he hasn't signed anything. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure whether he signed anything. I think he went on the Canada website, and that looked okay to him. And I said, well, that's not No, right no, 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 no. That, that's why we've been doing this show here for 10 years, because it's not okay. It's not even close. So uh, you need to reach out to him as soon as you can and have him call me. And the thing is, if he's already signed off and accepted that severance, and unfortunately we're stuck, there's nothing to be done. But he's going to be out somewhere north of six months, six months being 26 weeks. So that's, you know, four times uh, what he's been offered. So uh, very important that he give me a call. Uh, I hope, I hope, really do that he didn't sign it. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm wondering, I'm not sure whether he had to sign anything or not. A lot of times maybe they just let you go and say, here's your severance and goodbye. If he didn't sign anything, they just paid it to him, we're good, we're fine. If they, Oftentimes they say, well, no, we need you to sign off, you're accepting it. If that's what happened and he did, not much I could do. But if they just give it to him or he hasn't signed yet, we're in business, we can easily help, and, and he's going to be owed a lot more than what, uh, what that seven weeks is. That's what I thought. I shall pass that on to him. Thank you for your help. Good Thanks, job, Liz. Liz. Thank you so much for uh, making us aware of that one. And again, that number for your uh, for your grandson, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we continue to take your calls here. we got lots of time. Bring it on. That's how simple this show works. You call in, you get some answers, and you walk away that much smarter when it comes to your uh, your employment rights. Toll free, one 877 But let's get down to business, buddy. And they... Uh, the topic today is a popular one because you get these questions all the time. So we kind of filter a few, a few of them that are popular. A lot of people listening probably have these same things scratching their head about these uh, these questions and answers. And that is uh, stuff and questions about uh, termination and severance. You know, when you give your assessment on a person's severance, you do it live here on air. You do it a, a million times a week in the practice. So how accurate, people ask, is that assessment? You do it so quickly and you seem to know it off the top of your head. And is it, quote, unquote, the law? That's what people ask you, right? Well, it's a perfect question, especially coming at the ta- on the tail of the conversation we just had with Liz yep. about her grandson. So here's what happened. So uh, Liz's grandson worked there for six years, was offered seven weeks, went on a government website and realized, oh, okay, uh, it, it's in line with what I'm owed. And he thinks that's fine, except here's the thing. What he found there is with respect to his minimum entitlements only. Not his full entitlements. His full legal entitlements are several times more that. So his minimum entitlements could be six weeks, as an example. His full entitlements could be six months, eight months, 12 months even. So that's why it's so important to understand that there's that distinction, that difference between full entitlements and minimum entitlements. You can't get advice with respect to severance from the government because they just tell you about a small fraction of those rights. So yes, when I give... My assessment here, it's not an opinion. It's not a nice to have. It's what the law provides. Okay, that's what a legal assessment of your full entitlements. And it's pretty accurate because we have 150 years worth of precedents yeah. from across uh, the country that tell us what is the amount owing to someone in those situations. So, yes, very important. Don't uh, do what uh, some people do, which is you go to the government website or you call the government. Unfortunately, it's not that they're giving you the wrong information. 
is they're giving you an incomplete information. So that's the problem. So do what Liz did, what everyone else is doing. Call me if you want to understand your rights. Easier than that even, use our severance calculator. Just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's how you find out what your full legal entitlements are. Yeah, that's the golden rule. When it comes to severance, you bypass the government, go straight to Lior and get the uh, the accurate number. It'll, uh, it'll be beneficial for you in the long run, absolutely. Get to another call here before we uh, take a break. And that would be Shelly. Shelly, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're fantastic. We're so glad you uh, took the time to call in. What's your concern? So um, I have a four years with this company, uh, a senior executive, and... Um, Employment contract states that a without cause termination, I'd be entitled to receive one month for every year of service, so I assume four months. Um, anticipate uh, termination is going to be coming up shortly. And I'm just wondering that even if uh, the employment contract was signed um, prior to starting with the company, um, would we be entitled to more than four months? So... In the absence of that employment agreement, yes, you would have been owed more. And, and it could have been six, eight, even nine months, depending on your, the specifics of your job and your age, etc. The thing is, if mm-hmm. the employment agreement limits you, then you're owed what the agreement says. Now, I understand from what you've just told me that it tries to limit you to four months. The question is, is it doing that a Uh, correctly? Is it actually having the effect of doing that? And here's what I mean. In order for an employment agreement to actually limit severance, it has to be drafted in a very specific way. It has to say certain things in a certain sequence. And if it doesn't do it exactly right, then it's not enforceable and it doesn't actually limit your entitlements. So for me to tell you whether yours does limit you to four months, I need to see it, right? So what I would want you to do is send me a copy of that agreement and I can tell you in you know, 60 seconds flat, whether it limits you or it doesn't. Uh, it's important to know, and it's certainly important for everyone, you know, when you accept a new job, look for those terms. Are there terms that limit your severance? Because it could cost you a lot of money, but for your specific situation, Shelly, send me a copy. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shelly, so much. And how do you do that? You can email it to Lior for sure. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's an interesting uh, piece of information there, Lior, because a lot of, you know, less sophisticated employers might just, oh, let me Google employment contract. Okay, that one looks good. Uh, Print it off. Sign this, please. Not good. Not good for the employer, right? Both employers and employees have to be smart about these employment agreements. You can't just go to Google for that. You have to do it right. It's in everyone's interest to get it right and correctly. Absolutely. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Some excellent phone calls today. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Toll free one 877 Seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight is how you join the show. Would love to get you on with us. And beyond that, reaching Leor and his team, you can email help at employmentlawyer.ca with any questions or comments. You have one 821 5900 And the topic for the remainder of the show today is uh, questions about termination and uh, and severance. You know, it's interesting. Just before we get back, I was thinking about Shelly's call. I hope she's still listening as well. She mentioned, you know, four years, four months, and you said, you know, the severance, although it may not be, uh, it may not be copacetic because the employment agreement may not be worth the, the paper it's written on. 
I guess it's also you, I'm, I'm sure you're about to mention this too, but we ran out of time. It's not only the severance, I guess, for Shelly in that regard, it's all the components being an executive that she would have been included to get with that severance, right? Yes, exactly. So, you know, if it says, for example, we'll give you a month severance per year of service, well, what does that actually mean? Well, it means mm-hmm. that you're owed your full compensation, your total compensation, all those components. So salary, of course, but benefits and bonuses and car allowance and stock options. You know what I mean? All components of your compensation have to be included as part of that severance. It's not just your salary. So you're absolutely right. It's not just the number of months that you're owed. It's also what's included in that. And oftentimes, I do see employers sometimes getting the number of months correctly, but then they really mess up on the stuff that's included in it. They don't include Mm -hmm. the other components. And that could easily add up to tens of thousands of dollars. So get it right. Very important. And uh, we'll get back to this in between the phone calls again, toll free. Got it. Let's do it. one 9898 We're talking about recent questions. In fact, you get these all the time having to do with termination and severance. And people listen to us talk on the show each week. They go, okay, Lior, employment lawyer. Okay, going after my employer. Not good severance. Okay, we're going to serve them a notice that they need severance. Knee-jerk reaction is sometimes, oh, great, legal action means I'm going to court, Lior. I'm not even going to call you because I'm scared. I don't want to get into some long and broiled battle in court with my former employer. That's not true. John, I can't tell you how many times I, I see that, I deal with that. People saying, oh, gosh, no, I, I don't want to get advice. I, I don't want to speak to a lawyer because I, I don't want to engage in that legal process. I don't want to take my employer to court. And the idea in people's heads often is that if you pursue your, your severance, let's put it in terms of severance, that means you're taking your employer to court. Well, nothing can be further from the truth. The fact that you're pursuing your entitlements does not mean you're going to court. You have an extremely tiny chance of getting into uh, to court. You you have a better chance of you know getting into a car accident. It's just not going to happen. Only 1% of cases ever make it to court. And when it comes to employment law, to severance, to wrongful dismissal, usually these matters resolve extremely quickly within a few weeks, you know, oftentimes even without formal legal action. And even if formal legal action is required, it doesn't mean you're going to court. It still means you're going to resolve this and you're going to resolve it quickly. So I'm saying that's because I want people not to be afraid of the legal process. If you're owed something, you're going to get it. And no, going to court is not a good thing. I, I, it's not something that I, I want my clients to do. It's not something that I'm, I'm proud of. Because if I have to go to court, then it means that everything that I know how to do didn't work. Okay, that's not a goal of mine. So the goal is to get the matter resolved, get you paid everything that you're owed and move on. Don't be afraid of the process. It's not something you need to worry about at all. Yeah, and we talked about this as well. Most most of these companies, if if the threat of court is 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 you know on their side, they don't want to do it either. They know your reputation. It's going to start costing them money to bring their lawyers into it. They just want to get it done with. They just want to get it done with, right? Well, plus they're they're not going to go to court just to lose. It's one thing if they well, <laughs> yeah. we don't know anything and we're willing to to fight that fine. But if they owe something and I show them that they owe it and their lawyer is going to say, yeah, yeah, Lior's right. You owe that money. They're going to pay it. It's not that complicated. So no, the employer doesn't have any more interest than you do to go to court. That's why these cases get resolved. And often not only do they get resolved, they get resolved amicably. When no one hates each other at the end of this, get a letter of reference and, and, and a verbal reference so that you can move on and find another job. 
You know, and it's not just the rank and file, you know, workers in this country that lose their jobs and have to give you a call. It's those that are, you know, fiduciaries or those in specialized industries. They lose their jobs too. So how, how does that, how does that metric work when you're trying to calculate for those people? Yeah. So if you're in a senior position or if you're working in an industry where there's not a lot of jobs, well, mm-hmm. guess what? That means enhanced severance. So really anything that could impact your ability to find the job is something that can increase your severance. So if you're working in an industry where there's just not not a lot of jobs, a lot of opportunities, you know, aviation always comes to mind because there's just not a ton of hiring in that industry, as an example. Well, that means you're going to get more severance because it's going to be more difficult to find a job. Same thing if you're in a very senior role. There's less CEO jobs open uh, than other jobs. So if you're in a very senior role, it may take you longer to find another job than if you were in a different position. And that means, again, more severance. So it's important to understand what you're owed and don't make assumptions. And the reasons why you're owed more severance than you realize could be quite a few. They could be quite numerous. So anything that impacts your uh, ability to find work, anything that impacts the time it's going to take you to find another job can absolutely significantly increase your severance. Let's slide over and grab another phone call in between here. We'll get uh, Jamie on the line who's been standing by. Thanks, Jamie, for holding on uh, today. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I was working at a heavy-duty mechanic, and uh, I've been got rid of. And um, they didn't pay my vacation pay for the last year that I was there. They cut it off and paid me two months after I was fired. So the rest of the vacation pay from the last two years, I never got. I never took a vacation there. I so didn't, they didn't I pay you your vacation pay? Pardon me? So when did this happen again? Uh, about three months ago. So Okay, so if they owe you vacation pay, that's easy to resolve. So let me talk about that in a second. But a couple other questions. Uh, how long did you work there for? A uh, year and a half. But I was sick on there sometimes, and I only um, was part-time. So I wasn't there full-time. Okay, and what kind of severance, if any, did they did they pay you? Nothing. Zero. Okay. Well, I can tell you that uh, even as a part-time employee, year and a half, you're probably looking at three months of severance or somewhere in that range. So they owe you. So you know, you're calling about vacation, and, and which is of course important. But the real thing is that they actually owe you severance. It's probably about three months yeah. pay. No, paid me nothing. Yeah. Right. So yes. So so the, the good news is we can deal with both the severance and the vacation pay. But the, the kind of the, the big ticket item is the issue of the severance. So it's important to remember, and for all our listeners, that even short service employees, you know, Jamie worked for a year and a half, still are entitled to severance. And in fact, even after a year and a half, easily three months severance is what you'd be owed here. So Jamie, I want you to call me at the office. We'll give you that number in just a sec. Let's have a chat and let's make sure that you get both your severance and your vacation pay. I would like that. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jamie. Here's how that uh, here's how that goes down. The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca and to reach out by phone, 1-855-821-5900. Or uh, moving on down the list of, of questions to get all the time as it pertains to termination and severance. Now, if someone does a contract, right, prevents them from competing, the old non-compete for, say, 12 months, well, that means they should get at least 12 months severance, yeah? Well, not exactly. So Mm -hmm. the fact that you have a non-compete for 12 or 18 or 24 months doesn't mean that you necessarily have to get that amount of severance. But what it does do, it again, it increases your severance. Why? Well, for the same reason that I said earlier, anything that makes it more difficult to find another job is going to increase your severance. So if you're not able to work in a particular industry for a year, 
that means it's going to take you longer to find another job because you're limited as to where you can look. So that's going to increase your severance. By the same token, if you have some other reason, maybe you have a, a disability, let's say, and a medical condition or a disability, and because of that, you can't necessarily work everywhere and it's going to be more difficult to find another job, then yeah, you're owed more severance in that situation as well. Bad economy. Bad economy, it's more difficult to find a job than in a good economy. Again, increased severance. So all these things, non-compete, disability, bad economy, just further examples of ways and things that can increase your severance significantly. So I'm hoping that this now is clear, that it's not as simple as to say, well, I've worked it for three years, so therefore I'm owed this amount. You have to do this right because once you sign off on that severance letter, even though you didn't realize that, wait a second, my disability could increase my severance, but once you sign off on that letter, there's really no going back. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. That means you still have plenty of time, right? Which is true. So call us toll free 1-877-399-9898. Family, now you can reach out after the show and onward to get hold of Lior and his team. Always ready to uh, take your calls and your emails, help at employmentlawyer.ca and one 855 We're talking about termination severance, uh, the basket of very popular questions you get uh, from people, Lior, all week. Next one is this. I know you get this all the time. It says, you know, Lior, I got a company car, at least a car allowance. What happens to that when I'm let go? So great question. And remember, we were telling an earlier caller that severance has to include all components of the compensation. So that includes car or car allowance. So here's how this works. Let's say you have a company car. Uh, you know, the company gives you a car to drive and, and, and you have that car. Well, you're owed severance. That car has to be included. So let's say as an example, you're owed 12 months severance. What happens is the company has to allow you to keep the car for 12 months because it's part of your compensation. Alternatively, they could take the car, but they can pay you an additional amount that you can use to lease a car. So for example, if it costs 500 bucks a month to lease a similar car, well, they can add $500 a month to your severance times the 12 months or however many months, and that's fine. So they could do that. Uh, by the same token, if you have a car allowance, so let's say your company gives you a certain amount of money every month as a car allowance, uh, six, 700 bucks, whatever it is. Well, that has to be continued. They have to continue paying that for the severance period. Why? Because severance includes all components of compensations. If you want to know if something needs to be included, you simply ask yourself this. You ask yourself, would I have received this if I'd continued working? If the answer is yes, I would have, then it has to be included as part of your severance as well. Again, phone calls, you know, at one 399 Get to Don. Hey, Don, thanks so much for hanging out with us. How are you? Hi there. Um, hi, Leroy. I was I was thinking of all the union uh, claims that I help, like the people that I work with and all the statements you have to go to and all the, like, WCB claims, and they just just absolutely amazed me every time I listen to your show how much stuff I didn't know. But, of course... I was only representing union agreements and the laws within what um, what they were saying. So, anyway, I, re- I just want to really thank you for for doing what you're doing and uh, for helping people out because I always found that the multinational corporations will will send their their people that don't have a conscience down there to uh, give it to the employees. It just it, it you know, like there's like 
when I was representing the union, I was representing three different agreements, and I would always try to coach people ahead of time. When they do this, don't do that. But then they still would do it, and it's like, oh, you just messed it up. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so I was just – and then I was I was always trying to remember your name, and then I was remembering that uh, song, Leroy Brown. <laughs> it's close. It's Leor. It, it, my name is Leor, Lior, but it's close enough. It's close enough. It's Leor, but it's absolutely Lior close enough. I know, I know yeah. that's, but I, I still – anyway, so – but uh, yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing for for the people out there because I know a lot of Thanks, the, after years of doing it, it's I, I realize what you're doing for the to help the people out because the companies don't have a clue. Anyway, thank you Thanks, very much. Don. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that. You know, he 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 threw that union uh, word in there, Leo. Or maybe expand a bit on the difference between what you do and otherwise, right? Yeah, so we're, we're talking about employment rights here. So when it comes to unionized, we call the, those labor rights, so the difference between labor and employment. Right. So when it comes to uh, labor law or unionized employees, oftentimes kind of the law takes a bit of a backseat. And instead of that, our laws or, or our rights are, are governed by the collective agreement. Kind of the parties have agreed to a set of rules, to a set of uh, obligations, in that collective agreement. So the law says, okay, well, if you've done that, we're going to look the other way and, and, and stay out of it. So because of that, when it comes to unionized employees, the rights are going to be different than, than the laws that applies to non-unionized employees. And beyond that, if there is a problem with the employer, the only one that's allowed to help a unionized employee is the union. A unionized employee cannot hire a lawyer. A unionized employee cannot deal with their employer on their own. It has to be the union. And some people may say, well, I, I spoke with my union, but they weren't very helpful. They don't want to help me. Well, then I want to talk to you, Lior. No, even in that situation, unfortunately, you can't have me represent you, can't have me help you. It still has to be the union. So it, it is different between unionized and non-unionized employees. Again, termination and severance, those are the questions we're, uh, we're fielding uh, that you've gotten recently. And you still got some time to, uh, to give us a call here, so don't worry about that. We talked about the car allowance or the car itself during the, uh, the period of severance. But, uh, you know, if you ever uh, rented an apartment, uh, you know, in BC or anywhere for that matter, I mean, you'll know that uh, sometimes, hey, the superintendent's got a suite unit right on the ground floor. Well, what happens to those guys when they get lo- let go? That apartment's sometimes included as part of their compensation, right? Absolutely. And I've represented many superintendents over the years. And here's how that works. Oftentimes, superintendents don't get paid as higher salary because they also get an apartment that they don't pay for that they get to live in. So they don't pay, get paid as much, but they get that apartment. Well, time and time again, I've seen when the superintendent was let go, the company or the employer said, OK, well, we need to return the apartment you know, within two weeks or what have you. Right. No, you can't do that. Why? For the same reason that I said before. Your apartment is part of your compensation, so that apartment has to be continued. Your your ability to use the apartment has to be continued for the duration of the severance period. So what the employer should be doing is, okay, your severance is 12 months. You can keep the apartment for 12 months. Or alternatively, if they don't want you to keep the apartment, they have to pay you the equivalent. So if it costs 2000 bucks a month to rent a similar apartment, well, they have to add $2,000 a month times the number of months of severance. So again, why, why is that? Because it's part of your compensation and you would have received it if you had continued working. That's always the question. Would I have received it if I'd continued working? And if the answer is yes, which clearly would have been with the apartment, it has to be included with the severance. 
want to slide over and get Ricardo on the line here to ask his question. Hi, Ricardo. Thanks for taking the time today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good evening. Yeah. Um, back, I don't know this touch your limitation and these stuff, but back in 2018, I was with a company for over six years and I get fired. And the only thing I get is probably maybe two week vacation that I have in the back. So obviously you were wrongfully dismissed because you're going to be, you would have been owed a lot more than that. You probably would have been owed six months, eight months, nine months pay. But unfortunately, the statute of limitation is two years. So if this happened in 2018, you're, you're about uh, three years too late now. So unfortunately, Ricardo, there's nothing that we can do there. But there's an important lesson that I'm so I'm glad you called for, for all our listeners. When it yeah. comes to losing your job, you have to act on it. You can't uh, sit on your rights because unfortunately, you may find out the time has expired. So in your situation, Ricardo, we're out of time, unfortunately. Okay, lesson learned. Though. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Ricardo. We appreciate you taking the time to call in for sure. You know what? We know that an employer does not have to pay severance if an employee did something terrible that amounts to what they call just cause. Everyone's familiar with that term, or probably. If the employer finds out that the employee did something bad, then what's the next step for that employer? So there's a huge difference and distinction between the employee did something wrong, the employee did something bad, and, and them being able to be fired for cause. If the employer can establish cause, if they can, that means they don't have to pay severance. But to establish cause is very difficult. And it's not enough to show that the employee did something wrong or even that they did a few things wrong. It's just not enough. It's the death penalty. So the only time you can fire someone for cause, not have to pay them severance, is if they did something so bad that it's just not possible to employ them anymore. So obviously, if you hit someone, if you committed fraud, if you stole, yes, you're deserving of the termination for cause and you don't, you're not going to get severance. But if it's not like that, you did something, but it's not that bad, well, the company has to engage in a process. They have to give you a warning and then a second warning and maybe even a third final warning. And then and only then will they be in a, condi- in a position to even consider a termination for cause. Okay, And in my experience, a lot of employers just don't put in the work. They don't provide those warnings. They don't build up the case. They just jump straight to a termination for cause. That's a wrongful dismissal. They can't do that. So if you've been fired supposedly for cause, unless there's those warnings and you know you did something wrong and the company gave you chance after chance to improve, unless that's your situation, you're going to be owed your full severance as much as 24 months. There's no shortcuts to being able to establish cause. And that'll just about do it for today. Thank you so much for calling in and listening over the past hour. You can now reach out on your own to Lior and his team. It's simple. The number, 1-855-821-5900. The email we always use, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website built just for helping you at any time, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Questions can be answered there. You'll also have free and anonymous access to the severance calculator, which over 2 million of us have used. 2 million have checked it out, severance calculator, again, at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next week right here on the Employment Law Show. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.